Toronto's monthly public transit pass costs $156. Vancouver's two-zone pass costs $131, and my hometown, Ottawa, sells its monthly pass for $122. For low-income Canadians, these figures represent a significant expense. But what if public transit was made free? Free public transit is far from a new idea. Public transit is free across Luxembourg, in Tallinn, Estonia, in Washington state capital, Olympia, and in plenty of other major cities around the world. Making bus and train trips free reframes the narrative around transportation and personal mobility, acknowledging public transit as a basic need, not a commodity whose price should simply be set on the open market and certainly not a luxury. I spoke with Jasmine Mohammed and Herman Rosenfeld, organizers of Free Transit Toronto and TTC Riders, to understand the impact free public transit could have for Canadians. Free Transit Toronto is a relatively small organization, and its goal is to popularize the idea of fair free transit and all of the things that go along with that, like decommodifying transit, so it's not a, we're not customers who use it, becomes a service like uh, Medicare or going to the library. It goes along with a particular vision of cities where services aren't things that you pay for according to uh, how much money you have. When you use the term decommodified, it means that it's not something you buy or sell. The people who run it, they use the term we're customers. We're users of, of a social uh, need. It has a lot to do with giving people the sense that the urban area is an area where they have the right to help shape it and that it serves their need and that it has a shape of a place where you'd want to live it's sounding like the movement really emphasizes the importance of meaningful public consultation and engagement in the way our transit systems are designed. How would fare-free transit affect the way we plan and develop our cities? A lot of Toronto is zoned, so uh, the housing is zoned, so you can't build apartments, you know, mid-sized apartments. You have to have single-family houses and that sort of stuff. Well, that's a problem for public transit, and it doesn't have to be. You're going to always have sections of a city like that. But when you have areas that have been sort of like taken over, annexed, like some of the so-called inner suburbs, which are, are like suburban areas, the density isn't great and you, know, you have these huge thoroughfares. If you have free transit, it would force the authorities to build massively because people would move into using the transit. The right to the city also implies people have a say over what their, the built areas are going to look like what their communities are going to look like. So one of the things that TTC Riders, interestingly enough, is doing is doing these cons consulting groups about their views on transit. It's one of the ways that we, we got the free the uh, low-income passes by doing this kind of work. And Jasmine's been involved in some of those. I hear they're pretty exciting. So you want to talk a bit about that? I think it's really important to be able to get the experiences of transit users. Transit impacts low-income communities much more. To be able to get their experiences and, and really like translate that into statistics and stats um, and research and uh, build a report around how to advocate for transit users, especially the ones who aren't being consulted, is really important for TTC riders. Another important issue also to bring in is the issue with fare evasion and policing on transit. That safety, I think if transit was free, that would eliminate the need to have fare evasion officers on transit and would, would make transit safer for people of color, specifically Black people in Toronto. They're heavily policed and carted on transit. The latest report was like 19.3% of uh, fare cards for uh, Black people. And in Toronto, the population of Black people is like 8.9%. So there's definitely a disproportion in the rate of people being carted on transit who are racialized. 
I'm interested in hearing more about how those public consultations are run within TTC riders. How are you conducting them and what has the response been from community members? Right now, what they're doing are story circles. So using that uh, storytelling to be able to gain that information, the experiences that transit users are facing right now, and really just like pulling the a common themes that different members, different citizens are experiencing. Speaking to what Herman was saying, Transit shouldn't be a commodity. It should be a free service, like a library. It shouldn't be that we are customers and consumers paying for this service. We should be able to access it. I think that people in Toronto would be able to live healthier lives if they if they had transit free. It's, it's unfortunate, you know, there's people who are really struggling with being able to pay for transit um, because they're on OW or DSP and the government funding is not enough to be able to even afford transit or issues like being able to access a shelter if you don't even have the money to get on transit to go to a shelter or people not being able to get to a job because they don't have the money for the first two weeks to be able to pay transit every day to and from work. Those are the issues that people are facing that, and that's the reality of transit being unaffordable. It's the reality in Toronto and across the country. Here's Josh McAvoy from Free Transit Ottawa. Certainly in Ottawa, the transit system is largely designed around delivering federal workers and other workers in the core to and from the suburbs. Free Transit Ottawa, or FTO, is an organization mainly made up of environmental and social justice activists. It advocates for more affordable, improved, and democratic uh, public transit system. How is free public transit critical in ensuring everyone has access to city life? Whether it's to work, uh, engage in political activity, attend events, participate in leisure activity, visit friends and family, mobility is key to, to doing all of this. So these are things we feel all people should be entitled and able to do in a society. And we feel that most people would probably agree with that. But without a robust, convenient, and accessible and affordable, ideally free, transit system, partaking in those things and the cultural life of the city becomes dependent on car ownership. I saw one study, uh, for instance, from BC that uh, suggested that as much as 20% of the average household income is spent on transportation. Those are resources we feel that can be put to better use. Free transit can be an important part of addressing over-policing of BIPOC communities. If there's no fares to police, then there's going to be less targeting of BIPOC communities by fair uh, enforcement. And we've seen that that is an issue in our communities. And so as we address these issues, there's the potential to, to create a, a more egalitarian, I guess you would say, an equal society. And I think that's that's what motivates me. It's it's both the urgency to act and the opportunity to, to enact a, a more fair and just society. What has the municipal government's response been to the free transit movement here in Ottawa? Here in Ottawa, we've had uh, we've had support. For instance, Councillor Sean Menard attended an event last year and spoke at it with us. I also recently saw an op-ed by Councillor Teresa Kavanaugh who essentially argued in the op-ed for federal funding of operational costs for transit, which is one way of funding free transit. So while historically we haven't seen governments be over-enthusiastic about that idea, we do see that increasingly changing. The fight for free transit continues on out west. I spoke with Sol Bobier from Free Transit Edmonton. Sol, could you tell me a bit more about Free Transit Edmonton? Free Transit Edmonton, it's a campaign that's part of an organization in Edmonton called Climate Justice Edmonton. So the campaign itself started about a year ago. Its main goal is free transit. Um, one thing 
that free transit Edmonton has also pushed for is like not just making it free, but also free and good, right? So making sure that it's reliable, showing up on time, it has adequate coverage of the city as well. And so it's kind of a general goal of promoting climate justice on more of a municipal level. If you can't rely on the transit to get you to places where you need to go, people need to go to work. They need to go to important like doctor appointments, right? And there's just some things you can't be late to. So you need a form of transportation that's reliable, going to get you there. By making transit reliable, good, free, we're lowering the barriers to using it and being able to rely on it in a way that doesn't leave you stranded. What impact would free transit have for folks living in Edmonton? Transportation and how we get to places really affects the way that we use that land or that area. If you build an expansion to the Anthony Hende, right, the ring road in Edmonton, that's really geared towards cars, you're going to have an increase in cars. You're not going to have an increase in like transit users or pedestrians and cyclists because that just doesn't make sense. When you make that commitment to making like a good transit system that covers a lot of the city, you have to plan with that in mind. So you're going to have fewer surface parking lots, right? You're going to have more walkable streets so that bus shelters have a place to be that aren't just like kind of on the side of the road in the ditch. It's so interesting to think about how a simple shift in infrastructure that prioritizes buses, bike lanes, and pedestrians could make people's everyday commutes so much more enjoyable. I grew up in a suburb of Ottawa and taking the bus in every day felt so inefficient and pretty unreliable. I would say with Edmonton being like a prairie city, we have literally no limit as to how far we can expand, right? So we just keep going and keep going. You know, Ottawa is not a prairie city, but it feels like we also don't know when to stop. The urban core just continues to bleed beyond the greenbelt and into surrounding agricultural land. When you get into that really big sprawl of a city, it's so hard to fix that because we've made significant investment into this built environment of everything being super far apart and super spread out. And it's really hard to come back from that and densify it again. Obviously, if we could get every single person on transit, right, and not using like private cars as much, that would reduce our greenhouse emissions, make it easier for ourselves to get to our Paris agreements. And so I think they're kind of linked in that way so that when you have to think about growing your city with like a sustainable way where you can build a transit system that will work for even the people on the outsides, that's pretty important in terms of also the climate aspects as well. What has your city's response been to the free transit movement? They haven't been, like the our current city council hasn't been super receptive to it. There's one councillor, Erin Paquette, who's super for free transit, has helped us out a lot, but the others are a little less keen. So we do have like a municipal election coming up in the fall, which is a really good opportunity to make sure that this is an issue that Edmontonians are actually thinking about and actually act for Edmonton, which is this support system for different candidates who are either running for council or for the mayor position have actually included free transit in their mandate. So they're like, if you want our support, like you gotta, you gotta get on board. <laughs> you gotta do it, right? So that was super exciting to see. Free transit, it sounds kind of nice, right? Um, but if you're not realizing that people in your city are actually talking about it and trying to figure out how it's going to work for you and your city and how it's going to shape up, right? It doesn't, it doesn't really go anywhere. 
I know a common question when I talk to people about free transit is, well, how are we going to pay for it? Something that isn't super obvious about the transit system that we have is that fares don't make up a majority of the budget, right? They only make up, I think in Edmonton, it's like 39%. So it's for sure like not negligible. Bringing more attention to that, because we only ever see the fare side, right? By pointing out, okay, hey, actually, majority of our funding comes from different provincial federal grant money, right? Then it also becomes less of an impossible dream. And I think it makes it more realistic and tangible for many people. If Canada wants to foster healthier, greener, and more accessible cities, it seems obvious that fare-free transit would be a worthwhile investment. Reimagining our public transit system has implications beyond just transportation. It would change the way we plan our cities, help to address issues of police carting on buses and trains, and create a cityscape accessible to everyone, regardless of whether or not they own a car. If you want to support any of the movements mentioned in this episode, you can follow their social media platforms linked in the description. Follow Urban Bounce on Instagram, urbn.bounce, for podcast updates and more urban planning content. If you enjoyed this episode, take a moment to leave us a rating and review. And stay tuned for next week's episode on urban food forests.